everybody, and welcome to this morning's service. Um, for those who've been here before, you know the routine. For those who've not been here before, please remember to keep yourself muted during the service. Use the chat button to communicate with people if you need to. Um, and if you've got any prayers, then can I ask you to chat them to Dave Thurston, because he's leading our prayers this morning, and he can incorporate them into his prayers as appropriate. Okay? Um, the Lord's Prayer and Communion response will be read, read aloud by individuals. And we encourage you to join in, but please stay on mute. And the only time you take your mute button off is when we all get together at the end for the organised chaos of the grace, which is maybe organised chaos, but is actually a real blessing to everybody. So please unmute and join in. Before we progress, I have a notice for you. Um, we had a, a Christmas planning meeting on Wednesday and at the planning meeting we discussed the prospects of the various services over the Christmas period and one of the services that we discussed was the um, Carols by Candlelight which is as we know a, a really great service and one that the community loved to take part in and one of the suggestions was that we actually did um, some carols the same way as the blessing was done a few months ago. In other words, people sang them in their, sang the carols in their own home. They videoed it. They sent it to Steve, who was volunteered, <laughs> to assimilate them all together and to put them all together so that we as a church can sing together. And anybody else in the communion, in, in the communion, in the community who wants to join in. Now, we know this is a big job. We know this isn't a five-minute job. And Steve has to be totally mad to volunteer to do this. But he has. So I'm just going to continue to pray for him and hope he gets it bob on. But what I'm going to say to all of you guys is that if you are interested in taking part in that, and please do, because all of you can sing, talk to one of the elders. Give us your name. We'll send you what you need to do. We'll send you a backing track so that you can play it and then you can sing along to it and just record yourself, not the backing track, singing. And then Steve will put them all together so that we're all one voice. And we may even ask a few of you to sing solo. But if we don't tell you till you've sent your tape in, you won't know then. And you'll already have done it, which will be even better because we'll know you've done it well. So <laughs> all I can say to you is please volunteer to do this because I know you can all sing and you know you can all sing. And it would be great as a church to sing together, albeit over a computer. Normally, when we start a service, we send the elder into a room and we pray with him for a bit. Uh, we take the minister into a room and pray with him for a bit. We don't have time to do that on this. So I'm just going to start by praying with Andy. I hope you'll all join me. Let's just pray. Father God, we just thank you that we're here this morning to worship you. Lord, it's been a bit chaotic for some of us, and I know Andy's found it a little bit difficult to log on with his computer. But, Father, I just pray that you'll bless him and that you'll give him your words, that he won't have any nerves because he knows, Lord, that he's speaking your message. Just fill him with your spirit and let his words, your words, touch each one of us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Andy, over to you, mate. Thanks, Colin. Morning, everybody. It's good to see you all. Um, 
a warm welcome if you're uh, watching on on YouTube now or or watching later as well. Uh, it's it's good that you're able to join us. Um, just a reminder that later on, sorry, I know I'm a bit dark. It's because it's sunny outside and I've had to shut the curtains. I spend most of my time with the curtains shut and the sun shining behind me, but there we go. Um, a bit later, we'll be having communion, so um, get yourself something to drink, something to eat. Um, it's the, the service one of my kids used to refer to as the one with a little snack in it. Um, we've put them right since, but there we go. Um, so yeah, we will be having communion later, so you'll need something to join in with that. Um, obviously, if you're watching on YouTube, you can just hit pause and run off and get it, and you won't miss a thing. Um, so let's um, join together. Our uh, call to worship this morning comes from Psalm 106. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Who can list the glorious miracles of the Lord? Who can ever praise him enough? So this morning we're going to meet together, we're going to join in worship together, we're going to praise God together. Um, even although we're all in, in different places, we're all together. So um, as we continue our worship, I'd just invite Rona and David to lead us in the Lord's Prayer. Thank you. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Thank you. And now one of the things we like to do um, to remind us that we're all together, even though we're apart, um, is to celebrate birthdays. Um, so I'm going to hand over to Colin again, because I'm not singing. <laughs> no, but sad- sadly I am. Because <laughs> I know of at least one birthday, so you're going to have to put up with my melodious not tones, I'm afraid. Um, I know of one birthday, and that is Kate, who is definitely in a happy place. <laughs> Is there anybody else who's had a birthday in the last week or getting one in the next week that we can sing happy birthday to? That looks like a no. In that case, then, we're just singing happy birthday to Kate, who is 21 again. And it's a great age to be fabulous. All right. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Kate. Happy birthday to you. Thanks, Colin. And happy birthday, Kate. Okay, uh, we're going to move on now to our first Bible reading, which is um, Exodus 32, 1 to 14. So if you've got your Bible, um, just turn to Exodus 32, starting at verse 1. Um, and Helen Nixon is going to read that for us. Thanks, Helen. Is Exodus 32, verses 1 to 14, and the title is The Golden Calf. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered round Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, 
Take off your gold, the gold earrings that your wives, your sons and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day, the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterwards, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, go down, because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favour of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people, whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Amen. Thanks, Helen. Um, we'll come back to that reading shortly, but uh, now I'd like to ask Kate to bring our second reading, which comes from Philippians chapter 4. So Philippians 4, starting at verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Eudocia and plead with Sintish to be the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have 
learned or received or heard from me or seen in me put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. May God's blessing be added to this, his word. Amen. Thanks, Kate. Um, Now, one of the things I I heard a while ago was um, you can tell you're a preacher when uh, you listen to someone else preaching and you think, I wonder why they said that like that. And I wonder why they've done that like that. No, I would have said this like this. And I suspect that there's, I know we've got quite a few people in, in Thomas Risley who, who preach, and I suspect you're all sitting listening to those readings going, I wonder which bits he's going to pick. Because to be honest, there's a lot of different bits in those readings you could unpack. Um, and so I apologise up front if I don't unpack the bit that you think I should have from those readings. Um, I'm going to go back to the, uh, the Exodus uh, reading, um, Exodus 32. Um, and, and we had the story of the people of Israel uh, using their earrings to make a, a golden calf. Um, now, if that had been in our house, it would have been a very small calf. Um, all I can say is that must have been an awful lot of earrings. I mean, I always imagine it as an absolutely massive golden calf, but maybe not. Maybe it was only yay size. I don't know. But I suppose before we get too deep into that, a bit of background, um, just in case you, you, you're you not quite up with the story so far. And I'm not going to summarise Genesis in in a couple of, chat, couple of uh, sentences. But we've joined the people of Israel in the middle of the desert. Um, prior to that, they'd spent 400 years in Egypt. Um, and they'd gone there initially because there'd been a famine in their land and Egypt had lots of food. And that was because Joseph had, who'd kind of, Gone there ahead of them. Um, look it up. It's in Genesis. A good story. Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Um, he he'd, he'd organised the Egyptians, and they had plenty of food to to see this famine through. So the people of Israel had rocked up there um, because they had food in Egypt, and 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 the Israelites didn't. And they'd ended up staying four hundred years, which seems a wee bit like outstaying your welcome, perhaps. Um, but in reality, it wasn't because they want they wanted to stay. They'd become enslaved by the Egyptians and they wanted to leave and they couldn't. And eventually God sent Moses to go and tell Pharaoh to release God's people. Um, and Moses led the people out of Egypt. Um, and that sounds like it'd make a good film, actually. Um, somebody should make a film about, about that. Uh, that would be good. So the, the people of Israel were, were led out of Egypt by Moses. Um, and then they spent two months um, walking from Egypt to Mount Sinai, which is at the bottom of the, the Sinai Peninsula. Um, so if you know your geography, it's a little triangular shaped piece of land between kind of Egypt and the Middle East. Um, although most of it's Egypt anyway. Um, it's just outside Sharm el-Sheikh, if you've, if you've been. Um, so they spent two months walking there. Uh, Google Maps says it should have only taken them four or five days, um, walking speed, that is. So obviously they, they didn't have Google Maps um, and it took them a bit longer. Um, in fact, it's interesting that the Bible says, Exodus chapter 19, verse 1, it says it took them exactly two months to get to Mount Sinai. Um, and it was at Mount Sinai that um, God met with the people of Israel and he spoke to Moses and gave him the Ten Commandments. Um, and he formed the, the covenant with the people of Israel, the, the, the promise that both sides signed up to 
I will be your God and you will be my people. You know, you will worship me and I will look after you. Um, and so that, that's what happened at Mount Sinai. And moving straight on from that, after the big party to celebrate the covenant, God called Moses up the mountain to talk to him some more. Um, and the Bible says that Moses was gone for 40 days and 40 nights, which is a phrase that crops up quite a few times in the Bible. And basically what it means is ages. And anyone with kids knows that ages can be anything from, you know, Christmas is ages away because it's several, still a couple of months at least, to it's ages since I had something to eat and that was five minutes ago. Um, now, in this case, it, it probably was a wee, a wee while because um, Moses went up the mountain in, I've lost it now, chapter 24, I think it was. Um, so he was up there for about uh, eight chapters. So that's quite a while. Um, and God gave him all sorts of instructions as well about how to how to worship, how to set out the tabernacle and what the what the Ark of the Covenant should look like. So this was the special box that Indiana Jones found that they were going to keep the the, the covenant in. Um, and all those instructions of, of how they should worship properly and what they should do and everything else. And, and Moses uh, had to chip all this away onto a stone tablet. He didn't have, didn't have a tablet like that. Um, although that, a stone tablet could be more useful than that one because it's not working. But there we go. Um he had to he had to chip it all away into stone tablets, no copy and paste, every single thing bit by bit. So that would that would have taken a while. And while he was up there, the people of Israel are getting impatient, um, and it's surprising how quickly they kind of forget everything. So they've they've spent four hundred years in exile in Egypt, asking for God to rescue them. God rescues them. They spend two months walking to Mount Sinai. They have a massive party to celebrate that God has brought them out of Egypt and, and, and he's going to be their God. And then almost immediately they're going, well, this Moses fella, he's disappeared. Where's he gone? Oh, nobody knows where he is. Ah, forget him. Next, next thing. Let's, let's make a calf and worship that instead. And these are people who had seen God at work firsthand, who'd seen God rescue them, who'd, walked through the Red Sea while it was parted by God, who'd been fed miraculously in the desert because they'd been moaning from the get-go. They got to the Red Sea and they said, oh, Moses, you've just brought us here to be killed by the Red Sea instead. Oh, Moses, you've brought us through the Red Sea and now we're going to die of hunger in the desert. They moaned all the way. They really are like my kids on trip to Cornwall. Um, it's... <laughs> um, and so they, they, they've spent all the time mourning and God has gone, right, you know, I'm going to look after you. Here are the rules to live by. Don't kill each other. Don't run off with each other's other halves. Don't steal from each other. Worship just me. And they signed up to all of that. And then within minutes, almost, they're like, oh, Moses is gone. Well, what's next? See, the problem is that they'd forgotten to trust God. And so when things weren't going as well as they hoped they should. They made bad choices or they returned to what was familiar. There's a, there's a kind of a school of thought that the golden calf was kind of similar to gods that they would have perhaps worshipped in Egypt themselves or seen Egyptians worshipping. And it was a kind of a, you know, and, and, and like I say, even from the, in the two months going through the desert, there was some of them going, 
do you know what? I think it was better in Egypt than this. At least we got some food. It wasn't much, but at least, you know, and, and they spent the whole time going, hmm, anything would be better than this. Even Egypt would be better than this. And so they kind of give up very quickly on, on Moses and God and the promise they've made to God that, yes, we'll follow you, God. Yes, we'll, we'll be faithful to you and you'll look after us. And immediately they kind of go, all right, yeah, let's, uh, let's make a, let's make a golden calf. And even worse than that, they call it God. They don't even pretend it's a different God. They say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's God. Yeah, yeah, that, that little calf. Yeah, that's God, that is. And they turn back to things that are familiar or things that feel comfortable. And I guess we all have those those kind of desert moments when it feels like we've, life has taken us to somewhere that is different to what we're used to and different to what's familiar and perhaps is a bit uncomfortable. So where do we turn for help? Where do we go? Often we turn to something that's familiar or something that's comfortable, even if actually we know it's not very good for us. Um, I wasn't sure whether to try this, but we'll try something and see if it works. And it might it might help make the point. It might just be a, a, a waste of a couple of minutes, but let's try it anyway. I would like you all to fold your arms, please. Just So some of you will probably have, like me, will have your uh, left hand underneath your right arm and your right hand on top of you. Some of you might be the other way. So now I would like you all to try and fold your arms the other way round. So the hand that was on top goes underneath and the hand that was underneath. I've done it wrong. (laughs) I can't even remember how I fold my own arms. Right, let's try again. It's not that easy, is it? And although although you manage you might manage it, it doesn't feel very comfortable. And if I said to you, you can stop trying to fold your arms now, it's fine. If I said to you, um, for the rest of the service, every time you fold your arms, you've got to do it the other way around. But there are no consequences and I'm not really checking. And it doesn't really matter if you don't follow, follow that instruction or not. I suspect most of you would go back to folding your arms the normal way because it's more comfortable and it's easier and there are no consequences anyway so it doesn't matter if you'd been to the doctor and he said there was something strangely wrong with you and the only thing that would stop you from dying immediately would be to fold your arms the other way round, you'd probably make pretty sure that you tried very hard not to fold your arms the way you were used to and you'd probably eventually get used to folding them the other way and it would be okay But for a while, it would feel a bit uncomfortable, but you'd manage it. But if he said, if you fold your arms the way you normally do, you'll develop a bit of a cough and it'll be a bit unpleasant, uh, but that's, that's about it. Or, you know, you might, you might get really ill in six months time. You'd probably start off by going, well, do you know what? I don't want that. I'm going to fold my arms the, the wrong way. Uh, but after a wee while, you might go, well, is it so bad? Oh, I'll just go back to folding it normally. And I think sometimes that's where, where we get to. Um, There's a very tenuous link now where we get to with God. We get a little bit too comfortable with God sometimes. Or God asks us to do something that's a little bit uncomfortable. And at first we might go, all right, OK. Or we think, well, it's a bit uncomfortable. And is there really any 
consequence to it, or I'll just slip back to doing what I normally do. It's it's easy to just slip back into comfortable things, even although we perhaps know that we shouldn't or we know that it's not quite so good for us. So a bit like my last scenario that you're folding your arms the wrong way. You know it's not going to be good for you in the long term, but you still it's still easier to do it the way you've always done it. Proverbs, verse 3, verses 5 and 6 say, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. So when things are hard, it's better to trust in the Lord with all your heart because he will make your path straight. Um, and I, I, when I was coming up for a, a name for the theme, I called it Desert Roads. And, and it's always the way you set off, you know, you, you sort of send the theme out and then as you sort of develop the talk, you go, do you know what? I'm not sure that quite fits. Um, so it doesn't have to be a desert road that you think of, but think of a, a straight road, whether it's a straight road through the desert that you might have seen on, on telly or in real life, if you've been to somewhere like Nevada or something like that, where the roads are dead straight or... Or if you've been to Hadrian's Wall, um, there are plenty of straight roads up there. And straight roads kind of suggest that there are fewer distractions. It's a more direct route from A to B. You're not going round in circles. And that's one of the things that that the people of Israel kind of fell foul of. Uh, Perhaps that's why it took them two months instead of five days, although there were a lot of them. So that's probably another reason to get to Mount Sinai but later on they kind of wandered around in the desert getting lost and going in the wrong places because they weren't trusting God and they weren't following God so a straight road kind of suggests you know God will make your path straight suggests that there will be fewer distractions that he won't lead you around in circles that there won't be uh, diversions perhaps but if you're picturing a, a straight road particularly if you're picturing one by Hadrian's Wall it might be straight, but there are still ups and downs. God never promises that life will be dead easy. One of the reasons why I was going to call it Desert Roads is because there's an, another reading in Isaiah that talks about making a straight road through the desert. But that was talking about preparing a road for God, and that did talk about levelling mountains and filling up valleys so that it was flat as well as straight, and that kind of spoiled my point. So, I, And it didn't... It, it, I, I've mis- misunderstood it at first, and then I realised I'd... I'd gone the wrong way, so I, I dropped that one. So forget that bit, and we'll edit that bit out later, perhaps. <laughs> Make me look less stupid. Um, a straight road is one of the reasons why the Romans built straight roads. It was easier to get from A to B, and it, there, were, there were less um, distractions and, 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 and less opportunities for people to hide round corners and jump out on them and, and, and waylay them. But there are still ups and downs. Mm-hmm. And that reading in in Philippians that we had talks about um, that when we have trouble, we should bring it to God and that we shouldn't worry about things. We should take them to God in prayer and that God will give us his peace, which is far greater and, and goes far beyond anything we can imagine for ourselves. And it's really incredible how often that happens that you worry about something and you, and, and it keep, you know, worrying about things keeps you awake. It's not good for you. And you pray about it and you say, God, I'm giving this to you. And God says, I've got this. Don't worry. 
and you don't have to worry about it anymore. And just that, that knowledge that God's got this helps. But it's even better than, you know, they say a problem shared is a problem halved. Go and tell a friend about a problem you've got and and, and just telling a friend about it will will help because, you, you know, you're not dealing with it on your own. It's more than that because this is this is a God who rescued his people from slavery. This is a God who promised, I will be your God. You will be my people. This is a God who created everything around us and things we can't see. A universe that's so big we've never discovered all of it. And we're learning new things about it all the time. And a world that goes to a level so small, we still don't know how it's fully made up. And he will take your problems, your issues, and he will give you his peace, which goes way beyond anything you can understand. So life right now probably feels like a bit of a desert for a lot of us. Because a lot of what was familiar is missing. And the ups and downs feel probably almost constant. There, there, there is a road um, near Carbridge, uh, which is a Roman road, which is dead straight. And it goes up and down and up and down and up and down. And I've had the pleasure of cycling on, along it. Um, and it's good fun because you cycle as hard as possible down the downhill. And it makes the uphill easier. Life's kind of the opposite. You want to put the effort in on the uphill to make the downhill a bit easier. But um, I've also had the pleasure of making a BB minibus pretty much airborne, going over the top of one of those hills by going slightly too fast. But that's a different story. The kids loved it. Colin nearly had a heart attack, I think. But <laughs> the kids loved it. But it is a road that's dead straight with constant up and down and up and down and up and down. There is no flat bit on it. And I think life feels a bit like that at the moment. Every time you think we've things are going to level off, whether it's um, life, metaphorically speaking, or actual coronavirus cases or, or whatever, everything's going up and down and up and down and nothing is, is level. But we need to trust God. We need to lean not on our own understanding. We need to bring our concerns to him so that he can give us his peace. He can make the paths straight so that we haven't got twists and turns to contend with as long as the as well as the ups and downs. It, yesterday was World Mental Health Day. Um, and I know that it's hard for us all not being able to be together or not being able to be together properly, if you like. Um, the other week... Before we went into extra lockdown measures, I was able to meet up with uh, three or four colleagues from work up at Risley Moss, socially distanced. But the difference between seeing people a couple of metres away to seeing people on a screen that I'd only seen for six months on a screen was phenomenal. Um, it's incredible what a difference it makes just being able to, you can't even kind of give them a hug or anything, but you can still see that they're, they, you know, they're three dimensional for crying out loud. It's amazing. And I know that it's it's hard that, that we're not able to be together properly. And especially people who perhaps um, find not being able to socialise has a massive impact on their well-being. Again, again, at work, you know, I talk to colleagues and, and some of them 
are a bit like me. They're kind of introverted and they're quite happy actually just sitting in, in a little office on their own, doing their work and not being distracted by people. But there are other people that find it really hard not being able to socialise. And, and, and there's one colleague in particular who, who finds the thought that the government has said that they can't go out and meet up with people really difficult to deal with. So if that's you, if you're finding it really hard, don't struggle on your own. I've said, you know, take take your concerns to, to God. But I've also said a problem shared is a problem halved. And we're all here for each other. We're a church. That's what we're here for. We're here, we're here to worship God and we're here to worship God together. But we're here to support each other too. So if you are struggling, whether you're on Zoom, whether you're watching on YouTube now, whether you're watching on YouTube later, get in touch with one of us. There's contact details on the church website if you don't know any of us personally to get in touch with. And one of us will get in touch with you and chat to you. But don't struggle on your own. Like I said, World Mental Health Day yesterday. A lot of talk about um, people struggling and, and particularly sort of um, with suicidal thoughts and things. So don't please struggle on your own. Because we all, as I say, we're all here to support each other, but we all know the truth of of God and the peace that he brings. And if you don't know that, we'd love to share that with you. So I'm going to finish up by reminding us that, yes, life is tough at the moment. It feels like a struggle and it feels like we're perhaps in the desert. But trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding and he will make your path straight. Thank you. I've forgotten what we're doing now. I'm going to ask Dave Thurston to bring us our prayers for the for the wider community and the, and the local community in the wider world, even. So let's pray. <clears throat> and so I'm going to start with um, just thinking of our world and um, the global situation we're in at the moment, but some of the things that we maybe have about in the middle of coronavirus. So Lord, we bring your world to you now. So many people suffering from coronavirus, so many people dying from coronavirus, so many people in fear and in mourning. And Lord, we pray for those who are seeking a cure. And we pray for those throughout the world who are trying their best to lead everyone through this terrible time. We also pray for those that have been forgotten in this huge pandemic, those still in the middle of wars in Syria, in Yemen, still in being persecuted in China and Korea who have sort of been forgotten as a result of the coronavirus. And we pray for Christians around the world who are persecuted for their belief and not able, even on Zoom, to meet on a Sunday. And Lord, we pray for this country as we go into yet another set of restrictions, as it looks like. We pray for those who are affected directly, for those for whom they don't know whether 
we're going to have a job next week, next month. Don't know where we're going to pay the bills from. Lord, we pray that in these, as Andy's just said, these times of up and down, Lord, that they reach out to you and they feel your love and your presence. Lord, we pray for Warrington and for our local area and the sad news that people have started again dying of coronavirus in this local area, first time in a long time. Lord, we pray for those who are so directly affected. And we pray for each of us. Lord, we pray that we will know you we will turn to you in these moments of, of crisis. That we won't see this as an opportunity to, to go our own way. But Lord, we pray that, that we will turn to you and that we will listen to your word. Lord, from our online prayer book, we pray for a couple who are expecting the first child in eight weeks time but there are a few concerns and we pray for all of those both at those celebrations but for those for whom they can't visit elderly relatives be with them now in Jesus name Amen Thanks Dave so as we get ready for our communion, we're going to have a song. Um, I've picked Waymaker because it, it kind of fits the theme. Now, I know it's not one that we've um, kind of sung in, in church as it were, before we went into lockdown, but it's been on the playlist a few times. So hopefully people will will know it. If you if you know it well enough to sing along, please do. Um, although please stay on mute because if you sing like me, then nobody will want to hear it. Um, and also, uh, if you don't know it, then please um, just uh, read the words and, and, and have a think about it. Um, and then we'll go into our time of communion after that. So here's uh, Waymaker.
Thanks, Tim. Uh, I'd like to invite the serving elders to join. Oh, no, hang on. Um, it's time now for uh, communion. So if you've got your your drink and your bread type product, <laughs> um, let's, uh, let's join together in, in communion. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We talked earlier about how quickly the people of Israel forgot their their promise with God. And sometimes it's easy for us to forget that God promises to be with us. It's easy, easy for us to let things get in the way of our relationship with God. And what we're doing now is we're kind of coming back to back to the beginning and we're saying, God, this is this is us remembering everything that you gave up for us. That God sent his only son to die to take away the sin of the world. So we're going to have a, a short prayer now um, just to. To pray uh, before we before we do that. So Lord God, thank you that no matter what we've done, we can ask for forgiveness through Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection. And we know we'll be given it. No matter how unworthy we feel, we can approach your throne with boldness because our sins are forgiven. So Lord, as we come before you now, We just pray that whatever you know in our lives is a block to our relationship with you. You'll you'll make it known to us that you'll forgive us for the times when we put other things before you, when we forget to trust you, when we hold on to our worries and our anxieties rather than giving them to you. Lord, we just ask for your forgiveness, in Jesus' name. Amen. So now as we uh, join together, let's uh, pray for the, for the bread and for, the, or for the, the food and the drink that we have. So Father God, we remember the sacrifice of your only son, Jesus, his death and resurrection for the forgiveness of all our sins. As we eat and drink together, may what we eat be for us the body of Christ and what we drink the blood of Christ by your Holy Spirit. Because as we eat and drink, we are freely choosing to follow Jesus' commands and teaching in our lives and accept the forgiveness poured out. In Jesus' name, Amen. So this is the the body of Christ which is given for you. 
Let's eat together. Now the blood of Christ shed for you. Again, let's drink together. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Hallelujah. As we conclude our time of worship together, before we say the grace, I'd just like to to share a blessing with you, uh, which seemed appropriate under the um, for the for the theme, if you like. So, may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. The rains fall soft upon your fields, and until we meet again. May God hold you in the palm of his hand. Amen. Colin. This is uh, the time where everybody unmutes. So if you could all unmute and we will say to each other as a family, as a fellowship, the grace. Grace, grace, Lord, 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 Lord,